Morning prayer begins on page three. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Continuing on page seven. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 for the Venite on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 126 and Psalm 128 begin on page 505. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Sion, then we were like unto them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with joy. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. Yea, the Lord hath done great things for us already, whereof we rejoice. Turn our captivity, O Lord, as the rivers in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that now goeth on his way weeping, and beareth forth good seed, shall doubtless come again with joy, and bring his sheaves with him. Blessed are all they that fear the Lord, and walk in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labors of thine hands, O well is thee, and happy shalt thou be. Thy wife shall be as the fruitful vine, upon the walls of thine house. Thy children like the olive branches, round about thy table. Lo, thus shall the man be blessed, that feareth the Lord. The Lord from out of Sion shall so bless thee, that thou shalt see Jerusalem prosperity all thy life long. Yea, that thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the sixth chapter of the first book of Kings. 
And it came to pass in the four hundred and eightieth year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was sixty cubits, its width width twenty, and its height thirty cubits. The vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was twenty cubits long across the width of the house, and the width of the vestibule extended ten cubits from the front of the house. And he made for the house windows with beveled frames. Against the wall of the temple he built chambers all around, against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary. Thus he made side chambers all around it. The lowest chamber was five cubits wide, the middle was six cubits wide, and the third was seven cubits wide, for he made narrow ledges around the outside of the temple, so that the support beams would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. The doorway for the middle story was on the right side of the temple. They went up by stairs to the middle story and from the middle to the third. So he built the temple and finished it, and he paneled the temple with beams and boards of cedar, and he built side chambers against the entire temple, each five cubits high. They were attached to the temple with cedar beams. Then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the temple and finished it. And he built the inside walls of the temple with cedar boards. From the floor of the temple to the ceiling he paneled the inside with wood, and he covered the floor of the temple with planks of cypress. Then he built the twenty-cubit room at the rear of the temple. From floor to ceiling with cedar boards, he built it inside as the inner sanctuary, as the most holy place. And in front of it, the temple sanctuary was forty cubits long. In the inside of the temple was cedar, carved with ornamental buds and open flowers. All was cedar. There was no stone to be seen. And he prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple, to set the ark of the covenant of the Lord there. The inner sanctuary was twenty cubits long, twenty cubits wide, and twenty cubits high. He overlaid it with pure gold, and overlaid the altar of cedar. So Solomon overlaid the inside of the temple with pure gold. He stretched gold chains across the front 
of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. The whole temple he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the temple. Also, he overlaid with the gold the entire altar that was by the inner sanctuary. Inside the inner sanctum sanctuary, he made two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high. One wing of the cherub was five cubits, and the other wing of the cherub five cubits, ten cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. And the other cherub was ten cubits. Both cherubim were of the same size and shape. The height of one cherub was ten cubits, and so was the other cherub. Then he set the cherubim inside the inner room, and they stretched out the wings of the cherubim so that the wing of the one touched one wall, and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall, and their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. Also he overlaid the cherubim with gold. Then he carved all the walls of the temple all around, both the inner and outer sanctuaries, with carved figures of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. And the floor of the temple he overlaid with gold, both the inner and outer sanctuaries. For the entrance of the inner sanctuary he made doors of olive wood. The lintel and doorposts were one-fifth of the wall. The two doors were of olive wood, and he carved on them figures of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, and overlaid them with gold. And he spread gold on the cherubim and on the palm trees. So, for the door of the sanctuary, he also made doorposts of olive wood, one-fourth of the wall. And the two doors were of cypress wood. Two panels comprised one folding door, and two panels comprised the other folding door. Then he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers on them, and overlaid them with gold applied evenly on the carved work. And he built the inner court with three rows of hewn stone and a row of cedar beams. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. And in the eleventh year, in the month of Bull, there was the eighth month. The house was finished in all its details and according to all its plans. So he was seven years in building it. Here endeth the first lesson. Together, Benedicted, that's on page 11. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 
Here beginneth the third chapter of the first epistle of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. Here endeth the second lesson. Together Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath that he sware to our forefather Abraham that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Lord, we beseech thee, let thy continual pity cleanse and defend thy church, and because it cannot continue in safety without thy succor, preserve it evermore by the help by thy help and goodness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us thy humble servants in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning to all. Our chapter from Kings today emphasizes the historical fulfillment again of, of the promises God made to Moses, this dating on the 480th year out of the Exodus. God is now, the temple is beginning to be built, which means God's promise to dwell among his people will be, will be um, made permanent. And um, the other thing that's this emphasized by those <clears throat> those years is this is this is a story of history. A lot of um, religious texts have a sort of ahistorical quality to them, or mythical in the sense that they're not really real. But we're we're it's made very clear throughout the biblical story that that th these are historical events where God is is with his people, working into his people in the history of it. It's not a Gnostic kind of faith where there's a spiritual thing that's divorced from the actual stuff of life. Um, we, we note it's interesting, it's in the details of the temple, with, you know, elaborate details, which is kind of interesting to peek at sometimes, but it, the most notable thing today is the mention of the cherubim that, Throughout the Bible, you know, God, we're told that God dwells between the cherubim. And so we hear in the Holy of Holies that the cherubim are, be, cherubim are going to be set up around the ark. And the idea of the temple, the theory of the temple is that it is a mirror image of heaven. <clears throat> this is the kind of symbolic, the sense of, of, of symbol is that entering into the temple, one will enter into through these symbolic uh, 
markers or reference points into the very presence of God. And that's sort of the sacramental sense. The symbol is is the thing it points to. It's not completely the thing. It doesn't completely sum up the thing it points to, but it is the thing. You walk into the reality through the symbol. We should note here that, that this um, God dwelling among us people, there are themes that develop in the Bible. Um, you know, that, that we have the temple being built here and God will dwell in the building of the temple. This really points us forward to the incarnation where the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, that we understand that the incarnation of our Lord fulfills this temple. And it, it changes the whole nature of God's people from the idea that we worship in a building, it's, it's a building-centered worship to it's actually the people themselves. And I've, I've mentioned a couple of times this week, but it's good to look at this passage in First Peter, uh, where, where he says that you as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And so the image of the building of the temple with stones is used in the New Testament to talk about the way the body of Christ is being built into a temple. And, and the focus is completely on, on, on the building of the people. So it goes from God dwelling in a building to God becoming flesh, human, and a person. And then through the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost becoming present in us. And we are knit together as a body. We're not a collection of individual spirit-filled people, but members of a body of which each each member, each part, as St. Peter's is a stone, that's particular place in the offering up of, of the um, sacrifice. And it's important to understand that, that the building in, in the church, it's not unimportant because the church is a concrete historical reality, therefore it meets in a place. But I think it's important to understand the building of the church as a um, the place where the community experiences God together. The building, the, this is where people are baptized and, and receive the Spirit. This is where we gather to enter into union with God and Christ and the Spirit in the Eucharist. It's not a thing in and of itself. And you kind of notice the distinction between the, the place where, where the people of God encounter God when, when they cease to encounter God in the building, we notice that churches take on the quality of, of museums where we're worshiping the old art. Isn't this beautiful? But no living experience takes place there. And then kind of to sum up the thought for today that um, St. Paul, you know, in his epistle, he's really concerned about the people. He's not talking about, hey, we, we, when are we going to build the church? It's, he has this heart for the people and wants them to be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because just as when Solomon is done building this, he's going to have a prayer of dedication where God is going to take up residence in the temple. So now on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit took up residence in the church. But at the second coming, this will be completed. This is that tension in the Christian life between the way Christ is with us now in the Spirit and the way it will be completely fulfilled at the end of time. So we're supposed to be blameless in holiness of the coming because then we'll be a people prepared, a people that, that, that God can um, actually come and dwell with because God cannot dwell with a people that are not holy. 
And that picks up the theme of suffering in the epistle. We're called to suffer. That purifies our motives. It is through obedience, through the, the opposition. Let's call that what suffering is, is the opposition we have purifies our motives, helps us to participate in the cross, and, and prepares us for this ultimate union with God at, at, at the appearance of Christ at the end of time. So a few thoughts about today's lessons. Continuing with a prayer for all conditions of men on page 18. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldst be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving help unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth, and hold the faith in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace, and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed, in mind, body, or estate, especially those for whom we make our prayers at this time. that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Almighty God, who has given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplications unto thee, and dost promise that when two or three are gathered together in thy name, thou wilt grant their requests. Fulfill now, O Lord, the desires and petitions of thy servants, as may be most expedient for them, granting us in this world knowledge of thy truth, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Great to be with you this morning. Thank you, Chris, for your help. Have a great Thursday. Thank you, Deacon Bob. Thank you, Thank you Bishop Scarlett. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, kiddos. Thank you. Bye. Bye.